Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 87 with my friend Katie. You guys, I was excited to sit down with Katie because we actually have never met. This might have been the longest that we have uh, talked face to face, even though it was Zoom. Uh, I met Katie via Best Buy, but we did not work at the same store or even the same state. Um, and we kind of go into that in a little in the beginning. So I won't dive too far into it right now. But, uh, you know, we've always had a bunch in common uh, throughout our years of exchange via social media. And I think that was just solidified a little more through this conversation. So I really enjoyed it. And I hope you enjoy listening. Without further ado, oh, also stick around after the episode, we'll do a little New Year's housekeeping. But until then, without further ado, it's episode 87 with my friend, Katie Sassone. You and I have lots in common, my request is sent, would you like to be my friend, would you like to be my friend? But I, so I was thinking about this earlier today and I feel like we could probably just discuss this for the next however long, but I usually start out with how I know people. <laughs> I know you in a very unique way and the history True. there. <laughs> And correct me, yeah, if I'm wrong at any point, but uh, Best Buy created a position <laughs> uh, called the back office lead, when but they didn't specify really too much uh, for that position or how you would actually spend 40 hours. So a bunch of us that got that position around the country kind of like networked with each other and ended up, there's like, what, six or seven of us started a little like uh, Google, whatever it used to be called, Hangouts. Google Hangouts. Yeah, um, that's exactly it. So it was a brand new position. There was no uh, like job description, job guide, job aid of any kind. <laughs> there was an email that a mutual friend of ours sent out to everyone was who that had Christian just accepted that started this it? position. Christian, yeah. yep. <laughs> um, saying like, hey, I created this Hangout. Um, if anybody wants to like talk and figure this out together kind of thing. And there was a bunch, there was a lot of people at first and then it kind of dwindled, like nobody was really into it. And then it migrated to a Facebook group and then it migrated to group me. Oh, wow. I don't, I wasn't there for those iterations. uh, (laughs) No, I might've been. um, Cause when it was, I definitely, I definitely think you were in the group me at one point. Um, yeah, and you know, it, uh, it yeah, reached true. a point. <laughs> it reached a point where there were so many people who wanted to join that the the group me like size limit had been capped, which is why it migrated to Facebook. Nice. Where it <laughs> lasted for many years after you and I were both long gone. Um, but then it got shut down. I remember getting a message from somebody at Best Buy being like, are you moderating this group on Facebook? <laughs> it's like, no, I don't even work for Best Buy anymore. So yeah. sorry. <laughs> I was going to ask you that too. And, uh, you know, I'll get to a timeline at one point, but are, when did you leave Best Buy? Um, but I left Best Buy, I guess it was about four years ago now. Okay. That seems like the right math. Yeah. I left in 2015. Um, I thought you were there a little longer than me yeah just a little bit um yeah i i i think i just got to the same point that a lot of people get to when they work in any retail job it's, it wasn't best buy specific although yeah. uh, there's a lot of things when you work in in best buy that are taxing but any retail job you just get to a point where it's like there's got to be something that this is better than this yeah. <laughs> and they're in hindsight, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But in hindsight, there's so much about the, like, structure and organization that now, working in, like, startup culture, I miss so dearly. <laughs> so, like, there's a lot of the politics and bullshit that, like, you get at any large corporate job that yeah. I don't miss at all. But, like, the streamlined communication and, like, clearly dictated guidelines on like how to do things for the most part um that is a uh, few and far between so <laughs> yeah i imagine in, in a startup sort of thing that's uh it's got to be completely out the window 
but yeah, yeah, it is a different life. Yeah. I typically after, you know, how I know you, but let's, let's go back in time. You're on the East coast, right? Are you in Boston or I am, I am in Boston. Okay. Were you born and raised there? Yeah. So I was born in like central Massachusetts. Um, so like an hour outside of the city. And then once I graduated high school, I moved out to the city never to go back to the sticks. Is that why you don't have a crazy Boston accent? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but also I, I like to think that years in like a professional environment have caused me to kind of tone it down a bit. Yeah. I find when I'm at like a family Christmas party, for instance, very recently it comes out in full force once you're like surrounded by your family and people who have pretty heavy accents i want to hear all those videos um (laughs) (laughs) that's funny do you have uh siblings yes i have a younger brother his name is rich hi rich how much younger is he uh a little more than a year oh so yeah (laughs) real Uh, close not that much younger not that much younger um, I just turned 30 in July and he just turned 29 in September. So pretty close. Feel so old right now. Um, <laughs> so do you, I, I imagine then your childhood was just a lot of him and you until you got a little older. Uh, kind of. Um, I, even from like a very small child was like fiercely independent to the point that I would make my brother cry when I didn't want to play with him. Um, <laughs> but he always wanted to be like attached to my hip. So we, we did spend a lot of time together as kids. There was no like intense sibling hatred or rivalry. Like sometimes yeah. you get, um, and I think that that is helped a lot by the fact that we were so close in age. Um, but we were lucky to go to, um, a school and live in a neighborhood where there was like a lot of kids around. So we, um, had tons of neighbor friends and, uh, it was a different time, you know, like you, there was no cell phones. There was, uh, not a lot of anything to do. We just would like go and play out in the street. And as soon as the street light comes on, that's how, you know, you got to go home or else mom is going to come hunt you down. Yeah. I know, <laughs> I know those rules. Um, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. So how, where does the fierce independence come from? Why do you feel like you were always <laughs> independent? I, I don't know why. Um, but it's definitely been uh, one of the most forefront parts of my personality since I was a small kid and uh, used to get me into a lot of trouble, arguably still does. I mean, I was a good kid, don't get me wrong, but I would push every boundary that there was to be pushed. If you told me not to do something, it made me want to do it, that kind of thing. So, and you could say it's like stereotypical firstborn syndrome, you know, like that's kind of how that goes yeah. but uh <laughs> i just always wanted to do the thing that was less popular i wanted to take the past path less traveled and so i kind of spent my adolescent and young adult years doing that once i finally had the time and money to be able to did it get you into trouble at all <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> i mean it's hard uh, when you're when you're younger and living exclusively under your parents' roof and stuff. And I was lucky to have a mom who didn't work and a, a dad who worked mostly from home, um, other than like being traveling on the road like half of the time. So I always had a parent around. So until I got to the point of being in like high school, when I had my license and I had friends who had cars, I was kind of like there was always someone watching. And as soon as I had that little taste of freedom, it was like all hell broke loose. <laughs> define wait, then, define uh, for me all hell broke loose. <laughs> what, is, what does that look like? Um, well, let's set the stage here a little bit. <laughs> yes, so please. I obviously very family centric life growing up. Always had my parents around my brother, a pretty close knit group. Also with a, uh, I would say pretty strong religious background. My parents were very religious. We went to church every week. I went to a religious elementary school. Um, so just like a like traditionally sheltered childhood, if you will. And then at 16, bored and wanting to get out of the house, I went and got a part-time job at Best Buy. And I met my first friends 
who didn't go to my religious high school, my little private school, you know, and they introduced me to uh, like underage drinking and, you know, all of the drinking games that go along with that. Uh, We would hang out after work. I would tell my mom that I was going to have a sleepover at my best friend from high school's house, but really I was going to a house party, you know, with some of the Best Buy people. And it was a uh, it was kind of a wild time. I was even though very rebellious and doing things that I know my parents would be very ashamed of me uh, hearing this later. <laughs> very responsible. I was very responsible considering the dumb decisions that I was making. So I was I was never drinking and driving. Uh, I always made sure that I was home by curfew or I had a plan to be out all night kind of thing. Uh, you know, like planning my. Uh, you were. Good at being uh, bad. Is that... <laughs> Good at being bad. Sure. <laughs> that's funny. So uh, that's so funny to me because immediately when you say that, first of all, I have a billion questions about uh, religious upbringing, but <laughs> I'm still very curious about that all the time. Um, the, uh, there was a few people that I worked with at Best Buy that like I knew were super Christian, like did not do things outside of that world. Um, and I found it, I think I found it more like intimidating. Like we're not going to even invite her to do things because like, you know, the answer is going to be no. So it's funny that you, you saw that as an outlet instead of like, you know, stay away from those sinners. Um, Yeah. And you know, it really could go either way. So it was uh, just like luck of the draw. Right. But I think at that point, by the time I reached 16 years old, I had come to my own conclusions through the many years that I had spent in like a religious school and at church, like pretty much knowing that this probably wasn't the life that I was going to pursue for myself more long-term and just kind of testing the waters, you know? Yeah. So what role did that play on your, like on your faith as, as a whole? Were there like teenage years where you're like, this is all stupid or was it just kind of like, I got my own thing. And I think that it was, a slow progression, like, how do I want to explain this? Um, it took me longer to accept what I already knew, if that makes sense. So I think that by the time I was like maybe 13, 14 years old, I had been asking enough questions that I didn't really get good enough answers to that I knew that I was going to make my way away from that kind of a lifestyle and it just took me a really long time being finding the courage and comfort to be able to say that out loud and to like actively live my life away from the church in a way that my parents wouldn't immediately like disown me (laughs) so there's a lot of there's a lot of fear and guilt that comes with that and i'm sure you'd hear that from anybody who is raised in any kind of religious environment where like yeah. you basically spend your whole life being told that if you don't do what the bible says and you don't listen to the pastor man that you're going to end up in hell yeah. or some Christians more eloquent version <laughs> yeah some more eloquent version of that that basically brainwashes you into thinking you can never leave so even when you've like made up your mind it can still take a while to come to peace with that decision and i think funny enough uh working my retail job as 16 year old me gave me an outlet to somewhat safely explore what life outside of a religious sector looked like and kind of find my own way to who i was at my core removing the the religion from it i'm curious if i can dive into that uh that rabbit hole (laughs) so you and me have a commonality you much more than me i feel ashamed to even bring up the subject because you're way more knowledgeable but uh we both enjoy horror movies (laughs) oh yes um i'm actually wearing my scream oh my god (laughs) i can't move the camera but i'm gonna show you something (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's the, the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> That's my Italian Scream 2 poster. So growing up, I mean, I've, I've been obsessed with Scream for years, like since I was, I don't know, since it came out. <laughs> but I had this, I got this at like some swap meet at a mall before all the malls closed. And uh, when I when I was 
God, I don't know, 16 or something. And it's Italian. And I was like, Ooh, cool. Italian. It's a scream two poster so in Italian. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the, the short version of this is I lost everything that was hanging in my bedroom as a child. And so I found this on eBay like two years ago. I was like, I'm buying that. So now I have my Italian Scream 2 poster again. Amazing. But I could get in a real bad way with this. I have a whole shelf over behind me with like me and Nev Campbell and autographs and scripts and <laughs> it's bad. Um, I mean, I could get into it about Scream. <laughs> it has. It is also my favorite of all time. Um, and arguably the horror movie that, made me fall in love with horror movies in general. Well, it brought back uh, the genre, Katie. <laughs> exactly. It, it sure did. Uh, and it is, it, it has uh, stood the test of time. If any other horror movie has, uh, nothing is, is quite like it. Absolutely my favorite. All of them. And I can't wait for the new one. Yeah, that's the answer. The last thing I have is my countdown in my phone. 18 days left. <laughs> uh, you can technically go buy your tickets right now. Um, it's on, I'm off every other Friday and that happens to be on a Friday that I'm working. So I think I'm just going to take it off and go. Cause I like to go in the morning during COVID when there's no one at the theater. Um, but so, okay. So horror movies, the thing I was going to ask you is if you got into that post, uh, breaking free and, and, and. So it's interesting that you, you bring that up because this is something that I hadn't even really considered until somewhat recently. Um, I always just kind of thought that it just happened to be something that I really liked. And I used to go to the movies. I mean, I was in high school during like the early to mid two thousands, like horror, uh, I don't know what the word is. There was so many horror movies in the theaters during that time. So it was like once a week, me and my friends were going to the movies and watching horror. And I always just kind of thought that because it was so prevalent and it was, there was a new movie, like literally every other week that it just kind of lent itself to me falling in love with it. But I also do think that there is something there um, to it being like so anti what the church wants you to be watching and engaging in. Um, like I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter at school, you know, like it was, it was banned. Um, and I absolutely couldn't have watched any of these horror movies in my home. But if I tell my mom, I'm going to the mall with my friends and we spend an hour and a half at the movies, she doesn't know. (laughs) So I, I always loved it. And it, I think there is definitely like a tie there. I think that it is so vehemently against everything that they taught me growing up, that there's some sort of draw to the genre as a whole as it being like, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah. (laughs) And and it's, it's funny though, uh, just from a standpoint outside of that, where you're just talking about how many there were at that time period. I wonder if that, I just, I'm literally just thinking out loud right now, but I'm wondering if that's cyclical because you talk about like the nineties, you know, there were, uh, your screams. I know what you did last summer, urban legend that really like kind of jump started the genre that just got oversaturated and started dying out, uh, at the end of the eighties and early nineties. And then you get to the early two thousands and there were, there were so many bad ones, but there were like this oversaturation of, of, of movies and I think the same thing happened, right? Like the late seventies, they were, they were really getting back into horror. And then by the late eighties, it's just like tons and tons of horror movies. And there's, there's so many, so many terrible, terrible ones. And, and I wonder if that's just cyclical. Are we about to go through a really good phase? Or a really bad phase? I sure hope so. Um, I mean, I'm ready for some good <laughs> horror. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, they were they were all very very bad. And now, if I rewatched any of those movies that came out between like 2003 and 2009, they're they're terrible. But there's like a special place in my heart. Like there's a nostalgia there, yeah. like remembering sitting in the theater watching this horrible movie as like a 13 or 14 year old kid. And I even though I know they are like widely ridiculed and hated, I still like them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, because this would have come out at that time, at that time I was, because uh, I'm a little older than you, I was living in LA and I was buying 
previously viewed DVDs at Blockbuster, four for 20 bucks, like crazy. That's instead of renting movies, I was like, I'm just going to pay a dollar more and just buy it and then <laughs> whenever I own it then. Um, and I saw a movie called Boogeyman, <laughs> which was so So terrible. funny that you bring that up because that was the first thing that came to my mind when I was oh thinking God. about horrible movies that I saw it's in the theater. so bad. Yeah, it's with, with the guy from Seventh Heaven, right? Oh, yeah, I guess so. I never watched that show, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah. And that, it's funny. I mean, you, of course, didn't watch Seventh Heaven, but Seventh <laughs> Heaven was like one of the only shows that I was allowed to watch because it was like yeah. a pastor and his family. And then when this guy from Seventh Heaven was in this horror movie, it was like the world's colliding. <laughs> <laughs> didn't uh, some shit go down with the father from that show, too? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was some very unsavory things yeah. that came out much later. A lot of irony there. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I, I knew if I brought that up that we, we could talk about that for a while. But I'm, uh, I was just curious that connection because that it would make sense to me that these things that are essentially the opposite of what has been pushed into you for your entire childhood is the place that you gravitated towards. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Good, fun. <laughs> so, outside of of religion and, and Best Buy, I mean, what's your what's your life like in, in high school socially? And or when you start branching off in that direction, does that do anything with your like relationship with your brother and your parents? Um, yeah, I mean, for a while, I would say that my relationship. I, I mean, all through high school, mostly, and through my first couple years of college, or lack thereof, it strained my relationship with my parents heavily. So I, uh, when I graduated high school, I went to college out in Riverside, California oh. to a college, yeah, to a college that my dad picked. So he gave me like a short list of universities and said, you can pick one of these schools and I will pay for it. And you nice. will go and study pre-med and be a doctor. Yep. And I was like, okay. I mean, at that point, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted. I, uh, Everyone knows this now as an adult in hindsight. High school does an absolute shit job of preparing <laughs> you for literally anything in life. Yeah. And I had no idea what I wanted. So when my dad said, go be a doctor, I was like, all right, I guess that's what I do then. And so I got to college. And of course it was a religious school, uh, which is still different in college. Like obviously it's a private institution, but there's still some like religious undertones there. And some of the requirements were weird. And there was some very uh, anti-feminist undertones there as well that were quite uncomfortable. And surprisingly enough, it was almost like going backwards in in progress for me as far as like freedom so think about when you're 18 and you're going away to college for the first time like my parents always trusted me quite a lot and like I said I, I did some bad kid type things but I was always quite responsible yeah. and when I got to college they treated me like a felon like I had a curfew I wasn't allowed to have boys in my room I uh, would get like written up if I didn't go and like write up is a strong word, but they'd give you like these little pink slip things in your mailbox if you like missed a class. And I just like had never had so many roles in my life. And I graduated high school with a 4.0 GPA. I was a good student and I hated everything about my school. So I called my dad and was like, look, I know you wanted me to come here, but I hate everything about it and I need to come home. And I did. But he then refused to pay for my school. So I had to figure out a way to do what I wanted on my own dime, which I had never really considered or, or done before. Again, coming from a place of privilege that I now understand at the time, it felt like the rudest, meanest thing he could possibly <laughs> do to me. Yeah. Um, and I went, I found a, a local uh, state school, University of Massachusetts. I enrolled there. I took more classes before realizing I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life and I was wasting my time and my money. Um, I did not want to be a doctor. Pre-med was not for me. Um, I, because I realized this, realized that I had no idea how, 
how to pick what I wanted to, to be, what I wanted to do with my life. So I then made the very unpopular decision to stop going to college because again, I was paying for it now and I didn't want to waste my own money and take out more loans. So I went full time at Best Buy at my retail job thinking I could save some money. I know they had tuition reimbursement, so I could be full-time for a year, figure out what I wanted, then go back to college and they would pay a par- for part of it. Like, great, right? right. Yeah. That is obviously not, not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, obviously went full-time at Best Buy. I was, I guess, like 20 at this time now. I had uh, been in school for two years before I quit. And so uh, I did, I, I went full time and uh, it was just like literally a full-time customer service job, nothing special. I think I was making like $15 an hour, which at the time was crazy. Yeah. Like like now that seems like nothing. Cause it's now it's nuts. Wage, it's nuts but... that I drive by McDonald's <laughs> and they're like, now hiring $15 an hour is like Best Buy hired in at 10 when I worked there. Like that's crazy. Uh, I accepted my part-time job at 8.50 yeah. when I was 16. That's and nice. that was, and that at the time was really good because minimum wage was lower. Minimum wage was like seven. Yeah, but isn't it crazy could, to look I back? I couldn't believe they gave me an extra dollar. Yeah. Like, oh my God. It is officially dry January. The time is upon us. If you are like me and not drinking, bravo. If this is your first time, welcome. If you're just par for the course. Awesome. Keep it going. Anything I can do to help, I am here for you. One way I want to be able to help you is saving you a little bit of money on those non-alcoholic beverages. So Wellbeing Brewing uh, does non-alcoholic beer. They have CBD waters and they have some of the best beers that you can get out there. Their intentional IPA, which you guys probably heard me talk about on New Year's because I was going into the new year intentionally. I was setting my intentions and I was drinking intentional IPA. You can try that out, try their CBD waters, anything else on their website at wellbeingbrewing.com. Use code FRIENDREQUEST, save yourself 10%. How about that? I was excited about it. And I believe they offer free shipping after you get like uh, two six packs or eight four packs. I forget what the thing is. You'll see it. You'll see it on the website. Don't hold me to anything because then then you'll come after me, but definitely save 10% using code friend request. Congrats on dry January. And if you're just joining us, that's fine. It doesn't have to be on January 1st when you're hungover. You can come in later. We're here for you. Dry January, well-being brewing, raise well-being, enjoy the joys of January. Use code friend request at checkout, save 10%. All right, back to the interview. But like, isn't it, isn't it nuts to look back and like the older, I, I mean, I don't know if this works for you or not, but like the older I get and, and my wife, uh, like our jobs have changed over the years and you get out of that world and realize like, oh, that's not a lot of money. Like even what the managers make, unless you're like been there a long time or GM or something like, it's not a lot of money. <laughs> it's like, you can go like, if you have you know, a bachelor's degree in art history, you can go work at an insurance company and make 60 grand a year, uh, just yep. like doing customer service instead of what, 35 grand a year doing customer service full-time at Best Buy. It's just, it's nuts when you leave that world and that bubble and are like, Oh, <laughs> there's more yeah. out there. It's crazy. But at the time, yeah. and I will I will give them credit because I think they still kind of do it in a certain way. Like you get trapped because like the money that you start making once you get to a certain point, like obviously you start as like a a regular full-time sales associate, customer service, whatever the case may be. And then you get like tempted by the, the idea of making this like supervisor money, like the bonuses and however much extra money it is and you see what like your boss and your friends are making you're like I could do that that's not that hard and then you get to the next step and there's always a next step and a next step and then before I knew it I had made my way into a management job within just like a couple years and I couldn't find anything that would pay me the same amount of money that I was making as a manager at Best Buy and during this time as I had like 
been working my ass off, as I'm sure you did when you worked at Best Buy and everybody else that that we knew. My brother had gone to college and finished his degree, got a bachelor's degree in psychology, and couldn't get a job in his field. Uh, it was either take an unpaid internship or go back to school and get a master's, preferably a PhD, and then maybe yeah. they'll talk to you. Yeah. So what did he do? He called his sister and got himself a job at Best Life. <laughs> and so now he still works there. <laughs> and it's just the cyclical, the cyclical thing. Like you need a job, you know, it pays decent. Like you can pay for an apartment, you can pay for food, you can live right comfortably yeah. and not be making a minimum wage or on food stamps struggling. But he has this degree in a field that he is actually passionate about, but could not convince himself to spend another four plus years in college spending more money or to figure out a way to work unpaid for multiple years. Like it's a, an unfortunate reality. There's something to be said there though. A lot of people get stuck. Yeah. And, and I, and I don't in any way, uh, I was not trying to talk shit about Best Buy as a company. Like I actually loved my time there. And I, and like I said at the beginning, like where I work now is structured and, and run so similar and the overall, um, it's funny. I took in college, I took a like couple business classes, right? Like I have a, an associates in business administration. Half the stuff I learned from my degree, I already knew from Best Buy. Like they make yeah. such a good effort to be like, this is how business works. Like, oh, do you want to look at a profit and loss sheet and like, and see how that looks and like how to manage that? And like, uh, and, and uh, basic accounting principles, like you learn all that stuff uh, in a way that I don't think people just like walking in there, you know, to buy a fucking Xbox game, understand um, that that's, yeah, seriously. you can really, if you want to, you can do really well and learn a lot of like skills that you can use anywhere else. Um, I don't know about you though. When I left there, I left there, like the job I got was cause they called me cause my resume was on like monster or some shit. And I struggle to figure out like, what job to get like I had an associate's degree and I'd been doing like warehouse supervisor stuff like I don't know what job titles do I search for like I didn't know where to go what to do and that was half the reason I stayed there like the last two years I was there because I was super unhappy um but I didn't know what the hell else to look for um yeah i had the exact same struggle and i think that it's very common for anyone trying to break free of the retail industry is that when you have a resume that's retail heavy even when you put it on something like monster or indeed um those resumes the algorithm pulls from keywords so the only thing that it's going to automatically show you are things that are like generally related in industry yeah. so like I had my resume up on those sites for years. And the only thing it ever showed me was like, go be a district manager for Dunkin' Donuts. Yep. <laughs> uh, how would you like to work at a Foot Locker? Like, yep. no, that's, I, if, I, if I'm leaving this, it's because I'm leaving retail altogether. Yeah. I think I still and get occasional emails. Really it's like, you want to work time. at Dick's Sporting Goods? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It takes a really, really long time and a lot of effort to find the job in which your skills are applicable and the funny thing is now being out like there are so many of them you just yeah. had no idea how to look for them yeah. and the one thing that i will say and i think going back to what you said about how much you learned working from best buy i literally say that all the time to a lot of the people that i work with and, and have worked with uh, since i left who will say things like you didn't go to college like how how do you know this how do you understand this like uh, the amount of time and money that Best Buy put into me as an employee and like hundreds of other people um, just to like learn and understand business, that is, it is basically the equivalent of college classes. Like yeah. I tried to go back to school at one point uh, a couple of years back. I was taking online classes through um, whatever university was affiliated with my company. And every single class that I enrolled for, it was like, 
I understand this already. Like I've known how to do this for years. I don't need someone to explain to me what a PNL is, you know, like yeah. uh, they taught me this when I was 18 and obviously that is a blessing, but now I'm sitting through a paid college class wondering why I'm paying for it. <laughs> so it's a, a, a double-edged sword, I guess, if you will. Yeah. And school. one of these days I'll finish my degree. If, <laughs> if I can find the willpower to sit through a class of information that I already know. <laughs> well, I, and I will, I'll defend that in a way too. Cause I, uh, I, had no interest in college because I had no career goals. Um, and there was nothing that I was like interested in to the point where I was like, I'm still going to be interested in this in four years. So I'm going to get a degree in this and everything. And then, but I, I loved going to school. So I was at community college for like legit 10 years. I have three associates degrees. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but then I realized through doing this podcast, um, and talking to people that, and my own like six years of therapy over the last six years. I guess I said six years twice. Anyway, um, it, it like, that's what I wanted to do is I wanted to be a therapist. And so I finally like enrolled at a university. That dog is adorable. And, um, and so now I'm finally getting a bachelor's, uh, because I'm actually interested in something and I'm only getting a bachelor's cause then I have to start a master's program in counseling, but, um, I wouldn't have done it. And I'm glad I didn't like any time before this because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I think there's people like that, like people, I think it's an anomaly when people are like, yeah, I graduated high school. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I went to college for four years. I got a degree in this. And then I started working in that field. And that's like, dun, 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 like that. I, that's I crazy. have always <laughs> envied people who have just like known what they were born to do yeah. or Hell, even even if they realized at some point they were wrong, they were like, fuck it. I'm already this far in. Like, this is this is my bed. I've got to lie in it. I wish I wish because like and this is it might just be a lie that I tell myself um, because I, I hated college so much. But I still to this day think that if I wanted to, I could have gone to med school. Like I, I don't have any doubt that I could have finished it. I just would have hated every single moment. <laughs> and I often wonder like what would have happened if I would be like, don't get me wrong. I already live with crippling depression and anxiety, but I often wonder if like how much worse it would be if I had forced myself to live the life that I thought I was supposed to back then yeah. and not just let myself figure it out. Yeah. Well then you'd be, you know, waking up today at 30 and being like, Oh, I hate this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that's how that works. Uh, again, it, it, I, you know, I put a lot of stress on, timing and age and stuff. Cause I feel like society does, right? Like you have to graduate high school, get a four year degree, continue on if you want to do whatever doctor or anything like that. Um, but I've like recently just kind of found peace in the fact, like when I in, like enrolled in college or enrolled at, uh, Oakland university instead of a community college, I was like, all right, I'm just going to say like, what if I'm practicing, like if I'm actually practicing, being a therapist by the time I'm 43, like that'll be fine. <laughs> Cause that gives me like a cushion, uh, you know, to, to finish everything. And, um, and I'm good with that. And I still have five years to accomplish it. So it's, it, it's honestly it's a lot of weight. I, and I think that's, yeah, I think that's amazing. I, if, if there was something over the course of the last couple of years that had occurred to me that like, this is what I love and this is what I absolutely want to do. And it meant like a, a full stop career change. I think I would do it. Yeah. Um, like I, if anything, I don't think that turning 30 was like any kind of huge milestone. Like it is for some people where they like more into their youth and their twenties and all that. Like it was just kind of another day, Yeah. but it did like introspectively make me realize like deeply that time has no meaning like I I could completely do something different with my life within the next 10 years and still have a ton of life left to live yeah you know so and that's exactly like what you're doing what you're talking about and so many other people are doing that now too like it's literally never too late to just like teach yourself something different and and start over yeah which is awesome awesome yeah relate to your mindset and I'm like just 
let it come to you because I, I I think it will just because it did for me and I didn't think it ever would. And I was, I think I was 37 when I was like, oh, I'm going to do this now. Um, so can I jump back to something you said in passing and, and dissect it? Can sure. you tell me about your crippling depression and anxiety? <laughs> like, <there's, laughs> is that something that, yeah. that has developed over time? Or is that something you were dealing with when you were younger? So I... I mean, obviously self-diagnosed. I believe 100% that I have suffered with depression for the majority of my life. Um, the anxiety has kind of developed over time um, amongst like other things. So that I think is kind of a one-off, but I have like, I have a lot of memories of being in high school and being what like my mother would call emotional or hormonal and knowing now that like that's not at all what it is you know like there's such a difference between being like a pmsing teenage girl who like doesn't know what to do with her emotions and like literally not wanting to be able to get out of bed or like answer the phone when your friend calls or be able to have social interactions that are normal and even through college um, during like that first year when I truly started to realize like how deeply unhappy I was with the the path and the trajectory that my life was taking, that's when I started realizing like this is probably a little bit more than just me being like generally unhappy. Like I was, again, like can't get out of bed, couldn't make myself eat, couldn't go to class. And that's when I finally pulled the trigger and said, this is more than me just like obviously being unhappy at school but like i need to go home and figure out my shit yeah. and i don't think that this was as much a result of being really being raised in an environment where my parents were religious as much as it was just like a product of the time that we were living in where uh mental health and therapy was still stigmatized pretty pretty rough um so even if I had gone to my mom and said, like, can I, can I talk to a therapist? I think she would have just like waved me off. Like, you don't need that. Like yeah. you're fine. Like, um, and now it's totally different. Like I will talk about my therapist and the medications that I'm taking and trying or, um, whatever it is that my, my therapist is recommending that I'm doing and the ways that I deal with a day that's really bad. And I think that it's super healthy and helpful to have those types of conversations and open myself up to people who are kind of going through what I went through a couple of years ago um, and not knowing like where to start. Yeah. And I, I, I've had a, a couple of people reach out to me via social media and like, it's very easy to make like a joke, like what I did earlier saying that I live with crippling depression because I do. And it's good now that I'm able to laugh about it when I'm having a good day and know like the unfortunate sides of that. But when you're able to laugh at yourself, then people know that you're comfortable enough with it, that if they have a question or they want to be able to talk to somebody and they don't have a family that is accepting or yeah. they feel like it's stigmatized, that like they can reach out and they can ask me about it. And so even if no one else ever does and the two or three people who have opened up questions or open up conversations and ask questions to me about it, if that's it, like good because I wouldn't want anybody to have to live through that without thinking that they can go and, and seek help. Yeah. It's, it's really rewarding. Um, and I, I've, this is like something I'm trying to work on in my, in therapy is, is like pausing and taking in, uh, like the gratitude when people like reach out in ways like that. Right. Like I'm, I'm pretty open about all the shit that I've gone through. And then also through this podcast, like I, I, a lot of people have reached out and I'm like, Hey, like this episode really helped me through this X, Y, Z, whatever. And, um, it's so easy for me to like take that and it feels really good. And, and I feel a lot of gratitude and, and then like five seconds later be like, okay, so give me something else now. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to like <laughs> sit with it cause it really does mean so much. Like it means the world. I mean, it's the reason like I'm going into the career I'm going into, right? Like these, these light bulb moments that I get to watch people have in real time and, and discover something about themselves. Like it's, it's so impactful and, and I, I completely 
uh, agree with where you're coming from. Can I prod in something? And if you don't want to talk about it, uh, please feel free not to. But you mentioned um, something that happened two years ago. Did something happen that triggered something or something? Or was that just... Okay. Um, oh, not two years ago specifically, I guess. Maybe I did say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so technically... Uh, when we're talking about anxiety specifically, yeah. um, what happened was 10 years ago now, um, I was in a car accident that oh. almost killed me. Um, it was probably the single most terrifying moment of my entire life. Like, I don't remember everything, but I remember the moment before like, it actually really happened thinking this is where I die and then the rest of the actual accident is like full-on like blackout memory um and I came to if you will I don't think that I actually passed out I think that my brain is just like traumatically protecting me you don't get to know this Katie yeah Um, yeah (laughs) um sitting on the roof of my car on the inside uh couldn't see out either of the windows uh didn't know where the traffic was coming from it was on the highway um basically what had happened was i was in a mini cooper it was my first car i bought it with my own money and i was so proud of that it was adorable but it was tiny and i was in like the left hand lane on the highway commuting to work on like a normal sunday morning It was like 10 o'clock in the morning on a sunday and uh someone in a pickup truck got onto the highway and merged all the way across into my car um i obviously being in a mini cooper bounced into the like guardrail on the left hand side and then back back into oncoming traffic where i was hit by two more cars and my my car flipped four times (laughs) um and the, the real kicker here is in high school i had had a couple of friends who literally on uh, the day of finals, senior year, got into a car, drove around like idiots, got into a car accident, and three out of four of them died because they weren't wearing seatbelts. So I, at this point in my life, was like obsessed with wearing seatbelts, would make you wear, put on a seatbelt if you got into my car kind of thing, because I had lived through the trauma of knowing what it was like when friends died because they weren't wearing seatbelts. And that morning, I stopped at the ATM to get money out. And me being a short person in a Mini Cooper took my seatbelt off to reach out and get money out of the ATM and forgot to put it back on. Oh my God. And the only reason, the only reason that I survived that crash was because I wasn't wearing a seatbelt, which is actually crazy. Um, but because of the way that my car flipped, the impact was on the driver's side roof, which is where my head would have been if had I been belted into my seat. So when the car flipped, I was thrown from my seat and likely suspended midair in the car as it continued to flip. I, I genuinely don't know. I don't remember. But like I said, sitting on the roof of the car when I started to remember and got out of the car was able to crawl out fine seemed fine actual miracle i had some cuts on my legs from crawling through the glass but otherwise like i was fine they took me to the hospital and discharged me because i had no major injuries wow uh was just thinking everything that i was alive the EMTs told me to buy a lottery ticket. I didn't. I still kick. I still kick myself for not <laughs> buying that lottery ticket. Um, but one, this is now twofold. How this has affected me greatly, which is uh, the first thing is I have extreme anxiety being in a car. <laughs> um, I have always considered myself to be a pretty careful and good driver, but I have anxiety anxiety about the awareness or lack thereof of everyone else surrounding me on the road. So I drive very defensively now. And if I can help it, I don't drive at all. Like I just absolutely hate being in the car. Um, I especially hate being in a passenger. The lack of control is just like crippling. Um, Secondary to that, I now 10 years later 
live with extreme chronic pain. Um, it is in my neck, my upper back, and like my C5 and C6 spine. Uh, it developed slowly over time. So for the first couple of years, it was pretty minimal. I just kind of thought it was like residual soreness. They sent me to a chiropractor. Yeah. Um, I, I took Tylenol or Advil on a day where I felt a little bit more sore, but I still had a lot of good days, you know, like I could go weeks and feel nothing. And then one day I'd wake up and be like, Oh, like it really hurts to turn my neck today. Or like, Oh, my back is really sore. I don't know if I should lift that tote at work kind of thing. And then it progressed to there being no more days without any pain, but like a Tylenol every day kind of thing. And then from there, it progressed to Tylenol doesn't work anymore, and I don't know what's wrong. Uh, The chiropractor I saw for a while, um, I got to the point where I was seeing him three times a week, and I... It wasn't, it wasn't helping long-term, if you will. So yeah. like I would go and feel better for the day. And then by the time I was going back again, I was in like excruciating pain again. So it wasn't actually doing anything except just giving me immediate relief. Yeah. So then the insurance stopped paying for it. And if you've ever been to a chiropractor, you know, it's like 60 bucks a visit. So going three times a week, every single week is not financially responsible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially on a a retail salary. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I guess that's it. The insurance isn't going to pay anymore. Um, I guess I'll find something else. And me being young and dumb and 20 something that meant ignoring my pain forever. So about two, three years ago, right around the time I left Best Buy is when I I finally came to the understanding that I couldn't ignore it anymore. It was debilitating. It was affecting my ability to do my job and it was making my depression like exponentially worse. Like, already struggling with it and medicating and seeing my therapist but you wake up and it's not just that your depression says we don't get out of bed today it's my back says oh no you actually can't get out of bed today sorry about your bad luck so i decided to actively seek out medical care and figure out what was wrong with me and that started a four-year hell of a journey that is still ongoing now um It led me eventually to quitting my job at Best Buy because I went to my my direct boss at the time was fantastic and super supportive and would have supported me in any decision that I made. But the person who basically held my fate in their hands was a district manager who I also still to this day love dearly, but he was playing into the politics of it all and not the the people manager part of it. And so when I said, I can't do this anymore, you got to find another place for me. He said, well, there isn't really anything that you can do. So you just got to stick it out. And I was like, I I don't know that you're hearing me. Like, it's not that I don't want this job. Like (laughs) I love this job, but this job doesn't love me back because you're asking me as an operations manager to break down seven to 15 pallet trucks and move TVs all day and move appliances all day. Like I physically can't do this. So if there is something that is less physically involved, put me there. I'm happy to do it. And I'm not asking for a favor, like a lateral move to anywhere. Like I will, I will drive, I'll do the commute, but please don't make me like physically harm myself anymore. And they couldn't or wouldn't find space for me. So I found other employment. Yeah. Um, and while I did that, I started the journey of physical therapy and uh, trying all kinds of alternative medicines and changing, changing my diet and changing my lifestyle and changing like literally everything to see like what helps kind of thing. And it's still, uh, it's still ongoing. I, physical therapy didn't work. My problem is within my like actual spine and not so much with my muscles. So I, I still do daily physical therapy exercises. Like I did 
actual intensive physical therapy for, I think it was 12 weeks. I took a leave of absence from work to do it. And it was the same thing as going to the chiropractor. Like it felt good. Uh, it made me feel immediate relief, but it did nothing for me long-term yeah. as, as is, is most of it. So I still do them because again, they feel good. So if I wake up and I'm feeling a little stiff or a little sore, I'll do my exercises and it helps me for a little while, but I will still be in pain every so day, all day. There's, uh, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> um, <laughs> there sure I is. I mean, first and foremost, I, I have, I mean, I, I, go through chronic pain issues because I have an autoimmune disease that's like inflammatory based. And so like my hip and my back will get fucked up for a while. And it just, yeah, you mentioned like depression and chronic pain, like those two go hand in hand, man. Cause your quality of life goes to shit. Cause yep. everything you do, anything like even walking around your house hurts and you're like, Oh, everything is sucks. Um, and then, yeah, you don't want to even get out of bed and then you can't, or you have to, cause if you're laying the way that you lay, it hurts. And yeah. Um, yeah. and then, uh, the, it's so funny. The, well, it's not funny, but so my wife was in a crazy car accident, um, before I met her actually, she, I think she was like 18 or 19 and she like internal bleedings in the hospital, like almost died. And, um, and she wow. has crazy anxiety in the car. Uh, and she, you mentioned as a passenger, like it, it's not good. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's bad. <laughs> I like that you recognize that it's a, it, a lot of that has to do with the control. Like, you know, you don't have control of the, of the car. Do you, do you, are you just out of curiosity? Are you a gasper? And when you're in the passenger seat, do you gasp a lot? <laughs> no, <Okay>. actually <laughs> I, I might, I might be if I let myself like pay attention, but I, am lucky, I guess, in that I've never been the type to get like car sick. So I almost always bring something to distract myself. If I know that someone else is driving and we have anything more than like a 10 minute ride, I'll bring a book. Uh, I'll bring my iPad. I'll bring okay. something to keep my eyes away from the windows. If I'm looking, I'm, I quantify myself as a grabber. Like I'll grab the side door and then anyone who's driving me will, it's, equally as frustrating for them watching yeah. watching you grab something for dear life versus gasping yeah although a gasp is probably uh more reactionary like they might think something's actually happening yeah i uh <laughs> i do not handle that well as well as i could <laughs> like we i think we have our biggest arguments in the car because uh i mean i'm not the like the best driver but i also I haven't gotten an accident in years, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, yeah, there's a, you know, a lack of control there. And, and then I, I take it as like a personal thing, like, Oh, you think of driving bad. And then oh, no, it has nothing to do with anyone. Me. Yeah. <laughs> anyone who isn't me is going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what the anxiety in my brain tells me. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's terrible. Um, I keep saying, I keep wanting to be like, that's so funny. Cause it's funny in well, relation. I mean, I, Cause I can like relate it to is. it. It's not funny actually. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's, that's, that sucks. The chronic pain and, and depression definitely is a, is a shitty cocktail. Um, don't, don't recommend it. So outside of that, um, what, what's, I mean, that brings us almost current. I think like what, what's going on in, in life. Yeah. Like you said, you just started another job uh, and you're doing startups. Is that scary yeah, or exciting? So, <laughs> a little bit of both. Okay. Um, it is a lot of fun. It is very stressful, um, but it is exciting in the same way that it is uh, not to overuse the term, but anxiety inducing, like there's a lot of it that like, it's all brand new. You're kind of making it up as you go and setting the precedent for like what teams after you will do kind of thing, if it works or if it doesn't work, like, fuck me, I guess we start over kind of thing. <laughs> but it is like the exact opposite of any like standard corporate job, which is, I think what draws me to it a lot of the time. Um, you and I both, with our background um, in retail was like mostly operational, right? Mm -hmm. So process-based, um, driven in SOPs and doing things the right way and, and fixing problems kind of thing. 
And so the job that I just took recently in, in August is all in that realm, which is what drew me to it. So it is creating the SOPs or standard operating procedures, um, creating the, I guess, the standard for how we we will continue to implement the new verticals and processes within, within the business. So I, I can't unfortunately get into like exactly yeah, no, no. what it is because, because I signed an NDA. But what we what we do is rooted in like instant delivery. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> did I not talk about anything that you wanted to mention or did I ask you a billion I questions? I have no idea. <laughs> um, I feel like... I mean, I don't even know how long we've known each other, quote unquote, at this point. I feel like it's got to be at least close to 10 years, yeah. um, maybe seven-ish. Um, when did you get the back like, office lead position? Because it, it's definitely more than seven because I've been away from Best Buy for six <laughs> and I was in inventory well, soup the last like three years I was there. There you go. Because that was my guess. I was going to guess that it was like seven years, but... Uh, it's got to be longer than I think. I, I say ten. <laughs> um, I'm going for I 10. don't know. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what year it was. Uh, but the point being, yes, uh, I feel like we've been friends forever, and we could talk forever about anything. Realistically, yeah. I don't even know that I I fully answered your questions in a way to give you enough content. <laughs> I think you did. I I enjoyed it, and that's all that really matters. As long as I enjoyed it. <laughs> But yeah, I, I feel the same way. And I'm going to throw you my phone number in the Instagram chat because I don't know why we didn't do that to begin with. Um, it's true. And yeah, <laughs> let's keep this party going. But it was I'm super happy that you did this and I appreciate it. And I learned a bunch about you. And I'm so excited that Scream comes out in 18 days. <laughs> oh my God, me too. I can't wait to text you yeah. and ask you what you thought about it because I think you're the only other person I know who's going to go see it on opening day. Oh my God, I'm going to call you and gab like a 12 year old girl. I'm going to be so excited. Um, so excited. Yay. But alas, I will talk about scream and cast members for a long time. So I'm going to go, <laughs> but thank you, Katie. This was so much fun and I'm so glad we did it. This was, and thank you so much for uh, thinking of me. I, hell, even if you don't end up using any of this, this was fun. I'm going to so use all I of appreciate it. appreciate it. <laughs> you and I have lots in common. Request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? All right, you just listened to my interview with Katie Sassone. I <laughs> um I forgot how much we got into horror movies and just went down that rabbit hole, and I cut so much out because <laughs> we talked about it for a while, and it's so fun to have. Uh, you know, friends that are in that genre. Uh, Ian, former guest, Ian Staley, he is one of the people that also dives down the rabbit hole of horror movies. But depending on when you're listening to this, Scream, the fifth one, which I don't think they're calling Scream 5. I think it's just Scream, like they're trying to reboot the franchise, but it still has the original cast. So I don't know what that's going to look like. Maybe they're going to kill the original cast members and that'll be the start of the new one. Did I guess the ending? We'll find out. Uh, but if you're listening to this on release day, it is January 3rd. Scream comes out January 14th. Join me. I'm going to go see it. I'll probably talk about it on here just because what else am I going to do here after the interview but talk about what a cool person Katie is and how cool horror movies are. I want to do some housekeeping. It is the new year. Uh, I did make some resolutions, I guess, you want if you want to call them that. Um as is most years, I am taking a week off of social media, which I'm currently two days into as of recording this. And that uh, does not include the friend request page, but that stuff's pretty much automated. So if you see my posts on the friend request pod, I assure you there's no scrolling involved there. And uh, starting next week, I'm going to try this anti-inflammatory diet. You guys probably know from me talking about it a billion times on here that I have an autoimmune disease. It is an inflammation-based autoimmune disease. And, um, you know, uh, I don't like to take things off the table, especially when there's no known cause or cure, you know? So 
I'm going to try this anti-inflammatory diet that I found and we'll see how that pans out. But I'll tell you what, I fucking love dairy. <laughs> so that's anything anti-inflammatory is like, but you can't have dairy. And I'm like, ooh, I love it. So we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. And it is officially dry January. So keep that in mind. Uh, if you are participating, head over to wellbeingbrewing.com. Save 10% on your order using code FRIENDREQUEST. Very excited for dry January. It's my month. It's when I get a lot of people reaching out to me asking for recommendations. And I never tire of that. So if you are looking for replacements or encouragement or resources, whatever you need in that arena, I got your back. Email me, justinsfriendrequest at gmail.com. It's J-U-S-T-I-N-S-F-R-I-E-N-D-R-E-Q-U-E-S-T at gmail.com. And I will answer any and all questions you guys have. If you want to get real personal, head over to the Patreon you can be a Patreon subscriber for only $1.09 a month. Thanks to new patron Becca. And thanks to all of our monthly patrons. Uh, Erica, Katie, Kara, Andy, Michelle. There's there's so many of you guys. I love you. Thank you so much. You help keep this show going. And I'm just excited for this year, 2022. Let's do this. Thanks to Katie. And special thanks to Talia Dalton for the theme song. And you guys enjoy your week. I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. I love you.